Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxanne Durhage. Thanks for tuning in uh, this week. Uh, this week I have a, a special guest, someone that I, um, I'm trying to think, we met, was it last December or was it in June? Okay. Yes, we were um, privileged last December. last December because we uh, were involved in a speaking course um, uh, that was, I would say, challenging and enlightening all at once <laughs> from what I can remember. Mm -hmm. So we had the privilege of, of seeing each other on stage um, and um, doing our, our talks for 20 minutes. So I would um, like to tell you a little bit about Anya. And Anya, thanks so much for taking the time to come and spend some time with uh, my listeners today. Anya's my pleasure, honestly. Yeah. Is it as dark in Toronto as it is here in Niagara Falls? I'm actually in Ajax now, but yes, it's, uh, it's quite rainy. Yeah, it's kind of dark. Not, you know, we're getting into that weather. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Anya, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about her path. Um, so Anya goes, but Anya Miracle Walker Sagan, uh, she's a shamanic practitioner and mentor, an emerging filmmaker, author, and the CEO of Miracle Walker Enterprises. Her first short film was shown at the Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival. And she's been practicing shamanic healing since graduating uh, about a year ago from shamanic healing certification program from the Medicine Circle in 2013. I've been practicing since 2013. Okay, all right. So I guess the way it's written itself, but it's longer. So thanks for, for clarifying that, uh, Anya. Um, after being in a cult for five years, which, um, uh, you know, obviously I think I'm like, you know, very curious about some of the things that Anya will share. Um, Anya fell into a pretty tough time where there were some issues with severe mental health, uh, illnesses, uh, including schizophrenia. And in most shamanic tradition, it's believed that mental illness can be an initiation, an awakening of a person's true spiritual power and potential, uh, as long as a person, I guess, deals with it. Is that what it, that's meant to say, Anya? It has the right guidance is really right. more uh, what, it, yeah. She believes that we go through difficulties, sometimes even tremendous ones for us to surrender our limited beliefs and turn it to a higher power or divine guidance. Isn't that the truth? Um, she knows from personal experience that no matter what a person is going through, there can always be hope even when experts say there isn't, which is, is so, so very important um, in some of the work that I know, um, but obviously uh, the depth of what you're going to share with us, there is hope even in the darkest places. And sometimes it feels like it, there isn't. Uh, Anya loves nature. Um, when she's not doing shamanic healing or film work, uh, she can be found hiking, camping, and writing poetry or painting. So a lot of very, very uh, creative things uh, in your spare time. 
So Anya, is there anything that uh, wasn't shared in the bio that you think uh, people should know about you? I, I just, I'm very, adam I, I'm very passionate about whatever it is that I put myself into and I put myself into things wholeheartedly, I guess could add. Awesome. That. Awesome. So as you know, um, my, my show is talked is obviously about healing, but uh, staying connected to yourself. And that's kind of my brand, which is, you know, the more authentic we are, um, the more we are connected to our essence. And if we're able to do that, which is, easier said than done when there's difficulties in life um, mm -hmm. that it brings us to a, a lot of different places. So um, a bit about my story is that, and I think you heard that on stage um, when, when I spoke is that I've been through some adversity and, and then that kind of platformed um, for things that I went on to go further. So I, what I'd like everyone to know is to tell them a little bit about your path. And I know the most curious thing probably would be about um, two things for me, but I'm going to assume if I'm thinking it, others are thinking it also about, uh, the cults, you know, how did you get there? What is that like? Um, you know, I think of cults and I think of Jim Jones, um, with what little I know. And then, um, obviously, you know, that experience and kind of where it brings you to today. So wherever you'd like to start on Sure. Um, it's actually, it's, there's no one specific legal definition of a cult, uh, at least not that I've found, and, and there's not much teeth in the legal system in order to actually bring any of these people to, um, to, to trial or to justice or what you want to call it. Um, it's, it's, I use the term cult when I refer to it, and I, I guess I have to use it in, in, uh, in quotation marks because they, when you're in it, they tell you you're, you're, you're perfectly able to leave. <coughs> But essentially what they say is like, you know, in Harry Potter, they have the muggles and the wizards. The muggles are sort of the common everyday <coughs> like people that don't matter, according to. So you can quit any time. But if you do, you know, you're essentially throwing away your, your entire spiritual journey and you're essentially negating yourself as a, as a spiritual warrior, as they refer to themselves. The reason why I found myself in that cult, I was working in a dead end job that every three months was on contract being renewed every three months for eight years while it had benefits and things like that and there were you know people there that were some some people that were nice and things like that the actual work itself was demoralizing and they were always reminding us that there are lots of other people out there that if we you know don't keep up uh with everything and they put a, they would put a lot of load workload on us and we'd be stressed and things like that that we could be easily out the door you know, they implied it. They didn't say it in writing, obviously, but it was heavily implied or inferred. And I really, I hit rock bottom in, in, in some ways emotionally, at least one level of rock bottom. That wasn't bedrock yet, but <laughs> if you, you we use the analogy. Um, I was depressed. I didn't realize it specifically, but I, I hated my job. I hated going to work every day. I woke up in the morning going, oh my God, I have to go to the same old. And people were understandably backbiting and stuff like that and backstabbing sorry and um, just not a healthy environment i was working in this one place and this woman came and everybody else was functioning at a very sort of serious unhappy kind of level of, of consciousness or whatever 
this lady flounces in and she's so happy no matter what. And she's on contract and stuff. And yet she's still happy and positive and laughing and joking around with people. And we're like, oh my God. And I finally, I was so going, wow, almost like a, a deer in the headlights kind of thing. Like, wow, the bright, shiny light. And I came, I approached her. I said, how do you maintain such a positive attitude in this fill in the blank hole? And she said, it's this amazing spiritual group that I meditate with. Uh, and then I pressed, I, I, we got her to talk about it a bit more. Why don't you come and, and, uh, and sit in on a meeting and see if you like it? And by this point, I would have given my left foot to, to be out of the situation that I was in. I hated my life. It was going nowhere. My relationship was kind of flatlining. Nothing, there was no hope in my life. There was nothing positive that I could, I mean, I wasn't able to find anything positive. So I, I went to this meeting and I thought, oh my God, I found my spiritual group who are going to help me out of this situation. Mm -hmm. And for, for the first little while, for the first day, I was, I was in it for six levels. It's been compared to Scientology. It's not quite the same thing. It's, she has, the, the leader has her own, um, she borrows a lot of things from all different religions and things like that. So it's not quite the same, but it does have a hierarchical structure, hierarchical structure. Uh, that when I was in, went up to 14 levels, probably higher by now. I went up to level six, and that's when you start to teach the material. Uh, and I started experiencing, like the first three levels were was pretty fun. The third level started getting a little scarier. Um, but as it progressed into level four, five, and six are in a fairly short period of time together. Uh, and I started experiencing hallucinations, like my couch started talking to me. <laughs> and, and I'm not kidding. It, it started laughing at me and taunting me. And, I, and they were saying that it was a natural part of this fourth level or whatever. And that's it's normal paranoia, whatever is the um, there's like a, a challenge with each level. And, and paranoia was the challenge of the level four. And it started to it started to go a little bit better when I was in level five. And then in level six, I kind of made, reached a point where I was almost stable. And then I was told by the group leaders, uh, by the, all the they, they called them the upper levels, that I was denying my true sexuality, that I was actually gay. And I have, I mean, I, I have no problem with anybody, you know, you love who you love, but I just wasn't, I didn't feel I was built that way. So I, I, it was on several levels. I was like, oh, I'm denying, I'm lying to myself and I'm denying who I really am, but then I don't feel these things. And, and then there must be more denial because I believed so strongly that they knew better for me than I knew about myself. And so I entered into a relationship with one of the upper levels who was a woman. And because I thought I have to challenge this. And I've always been one to, when I have something I can do I, that I know I've been guided to that I'll do it. So I went into this relationship and it was kind of the, the linchpin that really pulled out the, <laughs> all the, all the stops on the, on the insanity. I, I remember like, levels of going down there was the first one my mind started to snap uh during a meditation and then the the mate the major breakdown happened in front of a whole citizenship uh, test i was standing there with a bunch of papers in my hands and i was supposed to uh distribute them and then put them put the results into this little machine that was like a one of those punch card things and i honestly didn't know how the machine worked i'd done this hundreds of times I was so, all the stuff in my head all came crashing down. Like in this cult, 
you had to, like by level six, you had 21 of these things they call shields. They're these, they kind of, they protect you from certain things and they also help, they tell you they also help you. Um, and are, are these things that you say to yourself, these shields? Tell me a little bit more, because I'm curious when you say shields, is it a, is it a yeah. mantra? Is it a... Um, no, it's, it's a visualization combined with uh, your meditation. Like your, uh, the first level, I remember there being a mirror shield and there was an ice shield at one point. There was a pink one, an obsidian one. There was a whole bunch of them. And you had to each day constantly be retweaking these things and being aware of them in existence and having them help you. And the premise of having all of those shields, especially by level six, is you are on what they refer to as the vanguard of human consciousness. So you are battling what they, they call these things and blobs, these uh, collective entities in the, in the human unconscious that maraud around and make life miserable for people. And so you had to have all these shields and, and all of these crazy systems of... Uh, trying to fend those things off and you were constantly thinking and meditating 24 hours a day pretty much i mean when you're asleep it, you're, it runs on automatic but if you're doing work and stuff you have these two levels of of under of awareness what i'm doing and also i'm meditating at the same time so you're doing and, that concurrently so yes. you might be doing going through your your job at work but you're constantly in a, um are you chanting something or you're meditating meditating yeah it's like a, it's like a dual focus you have the real like the physical world and then there's this whole metaphysical whatever you want okay. to call it world where you have shields and you're battling these things and blobs that get more intense as you go up into levels and okay. yeah it's <laughs> and there would be these times when they would say oh the attack is really thick so you know and you would what they would say you cozy up your they they refer to it as a pillar uh, it's a lot of terminology. Sorry if it's getting a bit confusing, but it's like an extension of yourself, your higher self. You would connect it with the upper levels of the, the area you're in, and you would strengthen each other and battle these demon things together. Wow, it sounds um, intricate and confusing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Which is probably the state potentially that they want people in. Yeah. I mean, they, they want, I mean, they, they say they give lip service to wanting you to be empowered, that you want to be of service and stuff like that. But there's also this like, but our way is the only way that nobody else really knows the stuff that we know. And if you do, if you don't do our stuff, you're kind of a wimp and you're a loser and you won't be able to accomplish anything major, you know, that kind of thing. So when you start to have the hallucinations, mm -hmm. um, so you are starting to have an issue with separating reality from what was your hallucinations, I would assume, at one point. Yeah, but with, with all these crazy shields and meditations you're constantly running, it's really hard to kind of, it's like you're living in both worlds at the same time, so it's really hard to differentiate between the two eventually. Okay, so, so tell me, um, what happened? How did you, how did you, you said there's 14 levels and you got out at six. If you're in such a, a battle state between um, consciousness and presentness and this other altered state, how did you, how were you able to decipher to stay present long enough to get out or did someone help you? Oh, there was no help. I had a mental breakdown. 
they oh, tried to help me. Actually, the people in the, the organization tried very hard, like most, but some of them tried very hard to help me. There were, there were some people that were just wonderful. And I really, like, I, it was hard for me in some ways, you know, because I knew that I couldn't stay with them. And even after I had the breakdown, I still believed that they knew better than me and stuff like that. And I fell into this severe illness and I wasn't able to even, I was to the point at one point, I think about a year or so, I didn't leave my apartment. I was on, I was lying on my floor because I was believing I was stealing the energy of everyone around me. And so I would lie on the floor and try not to breathe too much because I didn't want to take too much energy. Wow. So when you went to work that day, you couldn't do your basic job. At that point, you knew that something, obviously you had had a nervous breakdown at that point. The person I was doing the test with didn't believe me. She thought I was faking. She thought I was trying to, to get whatever, um, to get some leave or something like that. And like I, they had a psychiatrist a month or so later come and assess me. I literally didn't know. I mean, I have a university degree, a college diploma. I've done all kinds of like read so much stuff. I didn't know how to file files in order. And this was not, I wasn't faking this. I was literally so much, like all these voices and stuff in my head were going, I couldn't concentrate enough to figure out how to put them in order. Wow. And so that just basic, basic cognitive functioning had, um, had left you. So what totally. did you, so when you had that, then you tell us what happened next? Like, where did you, did you go into psychiatric treatment? Did you get some other healing? Uh, tell me a little bit about the path because I'm, again, I'm obviously I know in my practice and things like that, kind of the stages that people go through, but obviously when there's psychiatry involved and, and things like um, going to hospital, then obviously people go off. But yes. what are other things? Tell me what happened. And uh, I'm sure others are curious like I am now because this is a, a part of the story you know, 20 minutes on stage does not justify, um, you know, your whole um, path and, and what you're sharing with the world. So. so what happened, I was on, after the breakdown, I was institutionalized. Pretty much, I don't remember if it was right away. Uh, my mom's not 100% sure, but with, within about two weeks of that, of, of that I, was, I was just a mess. And uh, I was institutionalized in a closed ward facility. I was medicated on antipsychotics. I don't remember the actual name of the one that I was given. Over the, over the ensuing years, um, they tried so many different types of things, so many different types of um, drugs. I've tried uh, dietary changes. I mean, I wasn't really able to concentrate very well, but I did my best. I tried yoga. I tried reading things. I researched. I even had my superintendent who took, who took, took me in as her friend. Ha I had her bring a Catholic priest to see if I was possessed because <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And then this crazy, um, I had this crazy relationship with very, very brief relationship with this man. And I found myself, I found out I was pregnant after he'd gone. And I was like, oh my God. It's while you were, while you were in, uh, in I was not in the institution. Sorry. I got out of the institution and came back. I was, uh, relegate, um, remanded into my parents' care. Okay. I was able to stay home and I ended up in this relationship and, uh, found out I was pregnant. And then after that, I started, I was desperate to try and find something. I didn't find the way out of this thing until just after my father had passed away, which, and my son was about three years old. And that was in 20, my father passed in 2010. It was near the end of the year in 2010. Uh, I was supposed to go for my, cause nothing was working. Oh, my apologies. Um, my, um, 
I, I was in, um, yeah, nothing else was working. And I, I, I said, I, I can't keep doing this to my son. He deserves a mom who can play with him. He's not embarrassed to cheat, to train, to show his friends. Right. And I was a mess. I was, I, I, I couldn't function. I was, I would just sit, sit there and stare into space. Sometimes I would, I'd be able to interact with people, but anyway, um, so I institutionalized myself at this point and I was in, um, for about a month and toward the end of that month, they tried everything, all, all forms of therapy. Uh, I tried yoga. I tried the, you know, I was eating regularly, taking my medications regularly and stuff like that. And nothing was working, not even helping. And the voices were so loud in my head, I, I could barely, you know, function. It was, it's funny because I was able to look like a normal person, probably because of the training I had with the cult. The cult. I was able to still like speak to people when they spoke to me, and, and I would I would almost sound normal until someone asked me something complex, and then it might glitch up. But um, it was on the morning I was about to just go for my very first electroshock therapy treatment because I swore I would do everything I could to get better, and if this would help me and help my son have the mom who could love him and to you know be happy with, I'd try it. 6.30 in the morning, I couldn't sleep that night. And the nurse was, there was one nurse that was so wonderful. She let me go and sit in the exercise activity room kind of thing. And um, it was still dark and people were still asleep. Everybody in the ward was asleep. It was a closed ward. And I was um, sitting there, there's this plastic, pink plastic phone that was hanging on the wall that you were make, allowed to make outside calls, local calls with. And I was sitting in this plastic chair. It was pink beside this pink plastic phone. And suddenly... I, and I was praying. I was saying, please let, let me make me strong enough to go through this. Help me to get better, you know. And suddenly the voices, I don't remember if it was how long after that, but the voices finally stopped. After I think it was what, six years of having these voices constantly like in my head, like a whole gang of bullies, they suddenly stopped. And this one female voice, it was like, she was like, it, it felt like there was a person standing in the room talking to me, like right over my shoulder kind of thing. She said, no this meaning the electroshock therapy is not for you go find a shamanic healer and i was so i mean you don't not listen to something like that you got to go do it so i declined the treatment discharged myself because i was able to i had admitted myself and my my roommate uh, who was helping me take care of my son found me a shamanic healer in in toronto and from there even from the very first treatment, I started to feel like, you know, when you kink off a hose, like the water doesn't flow at all, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it was like someone had unkinked the hose enough for the water to start flowing, for me to start feeling things. Because psychiatric medications uh, are wonderful in that they don't allow you to feel the negative emotions too much. They mm -hmm. also restrict your positive ones. It's almost like a cast that you put over your emotions. Mm -hmm. And with this first, the very first treatment that I had with the shamanic practitioner, the, the hose became un, somewhat unkinked. And I started to feel a trickle of life coming back into me. I actually, my roommate even told me, she, I told a joke on the way back from the first mm -hmm. treatment and laughed. <laughs> and, and she was like, she was so amazed. She grabbed me by the shoulder. She said, my Anya's back. We had become friends. She was my superintendent from that first place that I was lying on the floor and she became this guardian angel for my, my friend, my, my son and I. And, and she was like, I have my Anya back. Like, this is the real you. It's, you're coming back. And she, was, she had tears in her eyes. And, and I, was, I, I, I did too, because I realized 
something had changed. So tell me about shamanic healing because Mm -hmm. this is powerful, right? Because, and I often, you know, dealing with a lot of complex PTSD and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a lot of mental health issues that get coupled Mm -hmm. with complex PTSD. And it, Mm -hmm. it, it somaticizes into in the issue of mental health. So you'll have people having all these problems. So I'm curious then because not knowing anything about shamanic healing, and I'm wondering if anybody listening, maybe people listening will probably have more knowledge than me. What, what is it all about? And that may be a big, a big question. So you break it down accordingly to help, you know. It's not a huge question. It's a very valid one because a lot of people, I mean, I'm, I was noddingly familiar with the term shamanic healing. I knew it had something to do with traditional culture and uh, something to do with medicine, but I didn't really know. And, and I, by medicine, I don't mean ingestibles. It's like something to do with psychic medicine. That's about all I knew. What it really is, is um, the, the big, uh, the, what do you call it? The, the big load of, of, um, of healing that comes through is a thing called soul retrieval. And what we what we believe in, or what the the tradition, at least what I was taught in core shamanism, is that a person when they experience trauma, uh, especially in childhood, but even in later in life, when it's something that's so overwhelming, the psyche can't deal with it. Essentially, the experience and the memory of that is to uh, the of the of the negative experience anyway is encapsulated and then ripped out of the person and stored somewhere for for later on when the person's able. Uh, to retrieve it and benefit from the learning that that had. So each time I would go and see the practitioner, another piece of me, my energy or whatever um, was the puzzle of who I am, was returned to me and created more and more of a solid foundation, the bedrock on which I could rebuild myself. Because my I was raised to the ground, literally. And the weirdly, the, the, the actual shamanic healing, you, you're also extracting harmful in, uh, intrusions, uh, harmful blo- any kind of blockages a person may be experiencing. Um, and you also help clean up their space and uh, things like that as well. Uh, and there's, there's, more, there's more technical stuff and more um, advanced stuff that you can get into as you go on. But those are the two basic things that, oh, sorry, also spirit helper retrieval, which is uh, you get spirit guides that um, you're also, it's, it's my understanding of it is when you have a spirit guide come to you, it's not that a, like say it's an elk. It's not like a physical elk or a, whatever, psychic elk spirit necessarily is coming and living in you. What it is is the frequency of what that spirit represents is why that energy is coming to you. And because you need whatever that is that represents to become part of your psyche and as you work more with that the more balanced you become and the more it helps you to unearth what i guess you could call your medicine the 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 talents and the gifts that you have as as a human being so okay i have another question (laughs) Um, so is it when you see a shamanic healer like yourself what should what would someone what when they come in let's say i go in right what what happens you're meeting me and i'm saying um telling you what the issue is the issue might be um let's say i'm disconnected from myself or i'm finding it hard to connect to a child or whatever it is is that where you start or do you do an like a formal i mean assessment with healing 
how how do you yeah. approach it? Because I think I'm thinking again. I'm thinking with my my kind of hat. I'm just mm. wondering, right? Yeah. Because obviously it's, a, it's all these diverse modalities, which I think is phenomenal, by the way. Um, but curiosity. They all they all meet each other on on some level. Like there's there's some there's because like, each one of us sort of addresses a facet of the consciousness, and I believe that you know all of them are essential. What um, I'm blank. I'm just, sorry, drawing a blank. Um, when a person comes to see me, uh, what I do is a pre, pre, um, pre, like a journey beforehand to, to diagnose things, to see what in energy is presenting itself. And then um, what you would come in and say would inform it to a degree, but whatever the, my guidance tells me it has to get done also needs to get done. And whether that gets addressed directly during that meditation, it'll get whatever the root of that is or whatever the root of whatever you need to have cleared or um, worked with or returned to will come to you and it'll facilitate whatever it is that you're here to do and to bring back to you parts of yourself, energetic parts of yourself that have been through trauma um, taken off and, and stored someplace else. So you, we would journey to, I would journey as a practitioner to wherever that is located. There's different places for it to be. There's, um, they have some rather dramatic names. The land of the dead is one of them. Um, the middle world is where we are. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's in a place called the cave of lost children. And each one of these things has a different sort of frequency and type of trauma um, it, that, that it gets stored in. Uh, am I, I'm kind of getting off a little bit on a tangent, but no, um, no, no, but this is, this, this is fascinating because again, not having any kind of concept, it helps me, you know, be ask some really basic questions. So I don't think you're going off on a tangent. I think okay. for, for people that are looking at all, you know, alternatives, um, mm -hmm. I think that's important. Obviously you, like you said, when you got into a situation, you, you went the conventional way, something mm -hmm. happened and something opened up let's say bigger than you to say to you to get, give this mm -hmm. guidance. Um, obviously yep. we're not promoting anything either way other than to say there's different mm -hmm. ways to heal. Definitely. And, right? and eat, there's no one that's any necessarily more valid or anything than any of the others. It's just what you kind of need at the time. Like naturopathy works for certain things, allopathic for others, psychiatry, you know, that kind of stuff. Each one has its place. Right. So as a, if you were coming to see me, what I would do in an, a typical session is, I would um, cleanse your, like with, uh, use sage or um, Pau Santo to clear your energy field. And then I would go in um, with my guides. We would remove any kind of unwanted energy uh, or spiritual intrusions or energy blockages and things. We also work with um, past life things, with uh, things that are ancestral as well, ancestral mm -hmm. healing, uh, which is sort of clearing like memories, things that have been passed on both the DNA as well as your um, what you've been programmed through your parents' experiences and things like that. Um, then I would do the soul retrieval work. And if a spirit help or spirit guide was um, being called to help you, I would do that. And then after that, I would uh, write the notes down. And then I usually do my work on via Skype. Uh, or sorry, not Skype, but uh, Zoom. And then I would uh, take down the notes and I would read the notes to you and record it and send it to you. So you have a, an idea of what, especially, not necessarily all the negative stuff, but at least the stuff that came forward, like whatever healing was being brought to you. Interesting. Very, very fascinating. So, um, so this is an actual prop, like a, it's like a protocol or a process that you go through, mm -hmm. but you're using, you're going into a meditative state. Is the client also going to in a meditative state? They go into a meditative state. They don't have to. 
they, they can if they want to, but it's just, you just sort of want to lie down with your eyes closed in a comfortable place where you can, won't be disturbed by anything like phones okay. or people coming in. Okay, interesting. So can I ask you a question? A logical question comes to my mind, and I wonder again, I may be off base, but I think I ask not too bad questions often. When you talked about the cults, we talked about different states, and now we're talking yes. about shamanism, and we're talking mm-hmm. about states. Do you have a, a, mm-hmm. a, a comment on that? Because I'm thinking, you know, if I'm scared about trying something new, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's a logical place that I go. But how kind of help mm-hmm. me understand or the who's listening, how how it's different. This one, I know it's different because it doesn't like when when I was in the cult, there were like they were always constantly instructing you and looking over you and things like that and and you know saying you have to do it exactly like this or whatever and there were so many different things you had to do what i do now is enter into meditation into what's called an alternative state of consciousness or alternate to the consciousness and i journey on a person's behalf to wherever that soul fragment is and uh a shaman generally will travel down through something an opening in the earth or a a body of water or things like that and enter into the subconscious into the collective unconscious into like altered states and uh it's not it's not something that i fear at all because i know that my guidance my guides are always with me and i know that i was meant to do this work and there happens sometimes when I've been working with people and stuff that was quite scary would come up. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to tell a person every single detail of it, but there's been some forces and things like that were kind of challenging, but each time I, I just know somehow I'll make it through. And every time I have that, um, what I'm doing is it's, it's a sim- it's almost like a, an intention almost even supersedes the, the technique. It's okay. like, I want to clear and free this person um, whatever way I am able to in order to get them to fully express themselves as a, as a, and express their genius in the world. And when I enter into my work, I always say a prayer. Um, let me be a most beloved of all beloveds, divine source. Uh, make me a conduit of all that thou wouldst have for this person. Um, and I, you know, that's, that's what my intention is so that they express themselves in all the ways that thou created them to, and all that thou holdeth in thy heart for them to come true. That kind of so thing. So positive, that's what I do. like really positiveness. You're looking for the positivity, yes. um, and the positive energy. And I would think that, you know, mm-hmm. with cults, it's, it's almost the opposite, right? They're trying to take that, um, that person's individuality or voice or mental space away from them. And um, mm-hmm. I know with, you know, being exposed to things like Reiki and things like that, mm-hmm. it's different, right? Because a person is working. Yes. I've done also sound therapy. I don't know if you've ever been exposed yes. to that. And that's interesting. And I, and I don't even know mm-hmm. how to explain that other than how fascinating, right? Um, other than there's so, you know, I know we're all energy, but again, going into that space to really recognize, like, how can these tuning forks be doing stuff and reading stuff, mm. um, you know, at certain parts of my body? And then knowing, knowing that you're lifted or you're lighter, um, you know, again, the unconscious and how, how little we know about the brain and the body. We know so mm. much, but we know so little. Mm. Right? I guess there's also the dimension of the spirit, which is what transcends you know, this is this physical form is a wonderful vehicle we're traveling in, but our spirit is what's eternal. And it, it is the like overarching 
what we are, but our ego consciousness has such small little blinders on it that it doesn't let itself see these things. I think that's um, like, even with the, the, the sound therapy you're talking about, the tuning fork has to do with vibration and all things are in vibration unless it's like absolute, absolute zero or something to that effect. Right, so, right. There must be, someone once said, um, magic is, is only science we haven't discovered yet. So I don't know if, that, if that's entirely true. Well, I mean, but... sometimes you get into these different modalities and you're like, mm-hmm. you know, when, um, you know, I've done Reiki before and, mm-hmm. you know, I've had all these massive images in my head and I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes and you're thinking, wow, it's like, it's a kind of like when you meditate or um, I, I have lucid dreams and I think, wow is this, is this happening or is it, am I dreaming? Right? Like, I mean, I'm asleep. I know I'm asleep, Yeah. but I feel like I've been like flying all night or something. Right. So again, mm. all the, all the alternatives. And I think in the Western word world, we're still, I think we've come a way long way um, mm. to accepting a lot of um, different non quantifiable things, but um, you know, we're still not there. Like, you know, the Eastern world. Mm. We're getting there's explored. been a lot of studies, you know, there, there's been studies that yes, definitely we are um, by even uh, a person, a gentleman named Leonard Lasko, who's a doctor, and he did uh, like actually on psychic phenomena and how they actually can affect physical matter, even over distances. There's some very interesting articles he wrote about that. And he's a PhD uh, medical doctor or was and he turned he had a sort of an epiphany experience at one time he was I don't know if it was near death or something and he ended up leaving like he was harvard educated like really really high credentials and pursued this because he was called to so Mm. it was kind of an interesting thing because so there i know that eventually we will i don't know about figure everything out but at least have some more scientific proof of what we do psychically the thing is i'm going to go off on a tiny bit of a, a tangent if you don't mind when i do work on people especially people who are energy sensitive they will feel when i'm working on certain areas and they'll even see the same things that i'm seeing and as I'm re- recounting to them what I saw, they'll be like, I saw exactly the same thing. Oh, my God. And stuff like that. Because we're all on some level. We're all one. And our, like our collective unconscious is collective, right? And we all somehow on some level can communi- with, communicate, with, communicate with one another energetically. Right. Which I think, wow. Right. Because I know sometimes when I work with people and I will, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, in that psychotherapist space and mm-hmm. then I, am I, you know, I, I am listening. <laughs> um, but sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I will say something back to the person in front of me and they'll say, there is no way, where did you get that from? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I wasn't getting lost in your words and I was just listening on a different level. And, um, I've been told several times, um, that I channel and whatever, however that term is, what, you know, um, I'm not so sure other than for me, I think I've been doing this kind of work now for how long that I can listen and people say to me, you're reading my mind. And I'm like, no, I'm not in my mind. I'm like, no, I'm not. And I'm thinking sometimes I feel like I get messages. I'm going to say messages because mm-hmm. I will bring back something to the client that really just clears something massive that maybe they've been struggling for a while. So you, again, that collective consciousness is key, you know, when you talk about that and, and something that I think mm-hmm. you know so little about, you know, in, in the, I think you are right. We're coming along, but the Western world is still so much far removed from it. 
but we've been so so married to um, science. I mean, science is. I love science. I love discoveries and all that stuff. I, the only place where I really have a bit of a problem is when um, they, it starts to say that nothing else exists except what's quantifiable, and it, it, it that therefore it's all in your head or some such thing. There's been so much overwhelming evidence in my own experience and with people I've spoken to that there is no no way that this isn't real, that this doesn't actually affect people. You know, it, that it, it's not psychic. That the cult was able to do what they did with me because of um, that ability to um, to interact with energetically with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me, you know, and I, I'm going to pivot because I wish, you know what, you and I could probably talk for two hours at the rate we're going. Yeah, yes. Um, I would love to you for you to talk a little bit about your your film career and kind of. So here you are, you get this, you know, you get this healing. How long did you do the healing before you realized I'm all good? I know we're always a work in progress, but I'm out of the mental health concern and that Anya's back, like your like your roommates. Um, and you know your earth angel like you called her said that you were back i i think within about a year of my like the within a year the gentleman that i that worked with me um managed to reverse it to such a degree that i could actually take the shamanic healing course and become certified as a as a shamanic healer myself whether i don't i have not actually been formally assessed Mm-hmm. since then. Um, so I don't know, um, I couldn't give you a clinical diagnosis or anything like that to substantiate what I say, but I know, I, I mean, I still do suffer from anxiety sometimes and some depression and things like that, but I have the tools to mitigate and get myself out of it by focusing on what I need to and stuff. I, I have like coping strategies and things like that, but energetically, like I think everybody goes through those things. Like, you know, when parents start to age, things happen. But the thing is, I do bounce back. And I, I know that uh, every time I go through something, I get stronger. I feel that. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, so like within, within the, yourself I, like that it's different. Because, okay, if yes. we're talking anxiety and depression, if you haven't talked to the average person that has experienced or continued to have bouts of that periodically, we're all in situational um, spaces where we might be a bit anxious. Sometimes there's too much going on or... Mm-hmm. We're, we're down because, you know, um, we haven't slept well or lots going on in mm-hmm. life. So I think that, but schizophrenia is a completely different thing, um, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, you know what it's like when you can't focus on your own thoughts to anxiety and depression, which I, you know, we know can be, um, it, oftentimes if it's biological, you can, you can learn ways and situationally most of us can get through it. So in my sense, yeah. the continuum mental health and illness, schizophrenia is definitely mm-hmm. on the other end. So you would know internally the difference. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying yes. is you know that that spectrum, whether we want to say it's formal or informal, that what you're mm-hmm. experiencing allows you to function again in the world. To a great degree, yes. I mean, yes. I, I could I do another government office job kind of thing again? I and I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but doing what I do, I like the more I do the shamanic work, the better I feel. Like and and with other people, I don't mean just even myself. When I do it with other people, I feel so much better. And I like when I have the energies running through me and stuff like that because it's I don't know, it's medicine for both the person and for for the practitioner as well. Amazing. So tell um. I want to pivot just a little bit because I want to talk a little bit about the film that you did. Um, oh, yes. 
And uh, tell, you know, because again, you know, other than the shamanic healing and where you've come from, you've done some fascinating things. So tell, tell us about uh, how did you get into film? I had no, this is right after the illness, after I started feeling better, I, I, I started getting obsessed with watching movies and, and sort of taking them apart and stuff like that. What works, what doesn't. And a friend of mine just said one day, you know, you should take a film course. And I started with a film course in a local, I don't know if you want me to, if I should say names or if I just say I went through a local college. And I started realizing how much I loved it. Oh, sorry. It was worked um, through, through, um, one of my therapy groups that they had this project where you could go and do artwork. And I ended up going into studying the film one with that. And I, I, I was totally obsessed with it. I, I went to a local college and now I'm going for my certification in it. And I just found myself. It's like, I, I, I started thinking creatively all these ideas started coming forth and I made a short film called emerging from ice into fire which is about my journey. It's a poem that's about my journey through mental illness, through the cult, and then in through the dark parts, and then back up into the light again. Uh, mm. And it actually got into the rendezvous with Madness Film Festival. Um, and it, it was my first film, and it was funny, um, but I have never felt so connected and incredibly passionate about anything mm -hmm. as much as I did with, with creating film. And... Well, I mean, my shamanic healing work is, is a different kind of passion, but as far as like creative expression goes, I found my niche. I found myself. Mm -hmm. And even, even with my very first film, I just, I knew it was, it was something that I loved and I had to do. Wow. And that's, a, that's amazing to your point, right? To go from where you went mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, obviously years of struggling and having your son and, and, and I mean, and what a motivator you know, he was, and, you know, for those little angels that come along in our lives and that the depth that it took for you to work even harder with mental health, mental illness, which is tough, mm -hmm. um, to be able to create something spectacular, which is this film that would help, I would think millions of people out there that can, that have struggled with, um, with mental, um, mental illness. That's my one of the, the, re, the main driving reason why I want to make Beyond Medicine that the actual feature film, so that people can see the depths to which a person can go and recover from. Absolutely, so absolutely, and it's so important um, because we're human beings and we get we get you know tarred and feathered as we go along. We get knocked around mm -hmm. by so. I mean, from I think you know the day we're born, we're perfect, and then we come into the world, and ideally, we know what it takes to you know make things safe and secure but then life still has those bumps so it's about you know resilience and learning the elements of that and when it doesn't happen um and we will get into tough times you know and you can't you're kind of in there and you don't know how to crawl out to be able to see something like this i think would be a, a truly a gift that you've given the world to be able to um for people to understand you've been there it's one thing and me as a practitioner you know to be on the other end right? Um, but to actually have somebody go through it and be able to share that wisdom for others who feel like there's, there's no hope. I think that's, that's, that's the gift that um, you've given um, in making this film. And I would love to see it, actually. It would be an honor mm -hmm. to be able to, to see something like that. Thank you. So you've shared so much, and I know you and I can do a complete full hour again. Um, <laughs> what I would like you to tell everyone is kind of 
um, if you have any last words, um, where they can get a hold of you, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that might want to reach out and experience traumatic healing or just you know, your passion for you're writing your book and now you're going to do this feature film um, and you've done your short already. Where, where can people mm-hmm. reach out to you? I guess the message I would say uh, is that even if you're going through something really horrible at the moment, that there can be gifts that come through it. I mean, I had no idea I could do film. I had no idea I could do poetry. So many things came through once, um, once I came through this. So never give up hope on, on your dreams because you never know where the, where the universe is going to take you. Um, as far as getting in touch with me, uh, I'm at, um, you can find my website at www.miraclewalkerenterprises.com. It's a bit of a long one, but it's miracle, it's just spelled all in one word. Miracle Walker, M-I-R-A-C-L-E-W-A-L-K-E-R, enterprises.com. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, Anya Sagan. Um, and there's also, I have some, I have um, Miracle Walker Enterprises also on Facebook as well. I think it's at miraclewalkershaman.com or something like that, at Miracle Walker, something like that. It's anyway, you can find, try Miracle Walker Enterprises on, on Facebook. You'll find I think it. if you just put probably Miracle Walker in Google, you'll probably be able to find you um, because it's such a unique um, you know, kind of, um, handle. So, but Anya, this has been, um, I can say that, um, I've, uh, interviewed a lot of people, but I think truly, um, I, and you know, I talk about early intervention to, um, you know, prevention and truly, I think, um, this is, first of all, the shamanism is something that I think, um, for me, um, I've not known about, but I've always, I'm always looking to expose people to, different things that they can do and definitely it sounds like this is um something with our collective consciousness that you know is a gift in the world um and for anybody um you know looking into possibilities like it's never you know never give up hope you know whether it's medical um or spiritual um there is always hope and um and you know and i'm going to assume at times anya probably thought you know, what, and, she, and you know, who, what is that what? And obviously her what was her, her little boy. And she obviously had good people in her life. And even though at times it feels like you may not have good people in your life, they are there. Just look around. And I often say, when, you know, when you're down and out and you're thinking, I can't lift my head any, you know, one more time, remember the people that were there, um, through those times because those are the ones that still see it in you maybe when um potentially when you're lost so anya thanks so much again for sharing your wisdom today it has been my pleasure um i'm so glad that carl uh, got us connected and you were able to spend some time Mm -hmm. with june at my event and i have no doubt that we will stay connected so again thank you everyone Mm -hmm. for tuning in um, if you're wanting to know more about me, uh, you know, you can go to roxanderhodge.com forward slash blueprint, uh, sign up where you'll have the ability to have a free course to help you understand the things that you could do to get more connected to yourself, get, be more authentic, be more connected, learn to listen, and then, um, find the answers, um, you know, a bit at a time. Okay. Take care everybody and hope to chat with you soon. Take care, Anya. You too. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.